Good morning, everybody. Why don't we just uh, have a few minutes of prayer, and then we can jump in. Father, thank you for allowing us to gather this morning. Thank you that, uh, that you love us, that you died for us, and that you go before us. And so just as we um, jump into um, just some teaching this morning, I pray that, uh, that you would speak through me, that, um, that your message, whatever that would be, would, um, would come across. And so we just give this next time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. This table seems really low. Can I raise it? Where's Steve? Can I raise it? I don't want to mess anything up. <laughs> there we go. That's good. Thank you. Thanks. Just before I came up here, someone texted me and said, good luck this morning. Don't screw it up. That person will remain nameless. T. Walker. Do you want to come up here and we can pray for you? <laughs> well, I want to um, jump into an idea that I've been kind of um, uh, wrestling with, thinking about over the last number of years. And maybe you have too. Since the world came to a standstill with, with COVID, have you found that you're thinking more and more about the finer things of what you believe? Because I sure have. And over the last three years or so, I found myself thinking about some fairly basic things or faith statements that have prompted me to ask some pretty big questions. There's been one statement that has been on my mind lately, and maybe it's been on your mind too, because I've noticed that more and more people have become concerned with how things are with our world. And over the last few years, and up until now, I keep hearing this reassuring statement, God is in control. But when we look around our world, and it seems like it's more out of control than ever. Here's a few things that I listed. Maybe there's tons of things in here. Like we have COVID. We have the war in Ukraine. We have political division. We have mental health struggles. We have physical health struggles. We have money issues. You name it. Things are just seem like they're, they're spiraling out of control. And so when I, I keep hearing this phrase, God is in control, and, and comparing it, to the, the state of our world, I began to wonder and ask the question, is God really in control? Because oftentimes it seems like he's not. And so being the, the theology guy that I am, I, I allowed myself to, to stray away from the comfort of this phrase to see if scripture could provide some insight into this, this phrase that seems like to me at times spiritual comfort food. And that's not to offend anybody because maybe some you use that. But to me, that's what, it, that's what it struck me with. People would be kind of throwing this phrase out. And I'm like, are you, just, are you just saying that to make yourself feel good? My first thought that comes to mind when hearing this is if God were really in control, things wouldn't be a mess as they would be and as they are. And as we see in, in Genesis, the mess started when humanity chose to disobey God. And so it also appears that God gave up control when he allowed humanity to make our own choices. And in Genesis 3, God says to Adam, you are free 
to eat of the tree. There are consequences, but I won't determine or dictate your choices. And so we know how the story goes, and we know how the story ends. Well, let's look at a popular Jesus story that will help us go even further down this, this rabbit hole. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up. Rebuked the wind and the waves. Quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to the disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And when I, when I read this story and hear the phrase God is in control, we can clearly see that there is control asserted over the storm. But then I have this question, who or what caused the violent storm? If, if God is in control, he would have had to cause the violent storm. And so again, I wonder, why would God rebuke something that he's already in control of? Why would God cause trouble just to rebuke it or reprimand himself, if that was the, if that was the case? The other scripture that I keep coming back to is John 16.33, where it says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And, and further to my wondering, I have to ask, why did Jesus have to overcome something he's apparently already in control of? I love that Philippians says he, meaning Jesus, emptied himself in that he took on the form of a slave, becoming more like human beings. And the question that I ask out of that is, how much power and control do slaves have? And the answer is not much, that's for sure. Now, I do believe in the sovereignty of God, in that God reigns supreme and is ruler of all. But we mustn't forget that he has also relinquished power so that we as humans have the ability to choose him. And here's what I wonder again. I did a lot of wondering over COVID. <laughs> It's probably not a good thing, but it makes me come up with things. Here's what I wonder. If God were in total control, sin wouldn't exist. That's a, that's a truth. If God were in total control, it wouldn't be this way. However, the moment God gave us the ability to make our own choices, that control we talk about was given up. Now, this doesn't mean that he can't control things. We've seen that he can but we've also seen that he chooses not to control our world. In the very beginning, we see that God established an order for all things to work together. And as we progress through scripture, we see that things do all work together according to his will. However, we tend to forget the words from the Apostle Paul from the book of Romans. It says this. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good... Evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work within me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself... In my mind, I'm a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. 
So you see, God has set things to work up, work together in his favor according to his will. However, there's, there's something at work that's, that's trying to undo this and that's going against it. And there's much that we can that do, as you can see, that, that doing a deep dive into this, into this question, is God in control, provides more questions than answers. It's evident that a spiritual war is, is raging within us. And our world that's going on around us, and that it's going directly against that order that God set up to work together in his favor. But as sin has entered our world, we see a war going on, not to control, but a war to overcome. And as I was reading scripture and kind of trying to find some answers, one story from scripture struck me. And it's the story of Job. I think the story of Job is a, is a great example of seeing this play out. Satan comes to God and God points out Job as the most righteous and blameless in God's eyes. He says, notice my man Job. And Satan wants to prove God wrong in, this, in the story of Job. Satan wants to prove God that Job is not as righteous as God makes him out to be. He wants to prove God wrong and says, Job, Satan says to God, Job only trusts you because of the good things that you give him. And so God puts Job to the test. And God says to Satan, everything that Job has is now in your power. That's Job 1.12. Everything that Job has is now in your power. And so we see God letting go. He gives up control over the stuff that Job has and hands it over to Satan. And Job, through the story, loses all of his possessions and all of his family except for his wife. But for Satan, that's not enough. Skin for skin, he goes back to God. Skin for skin, Satan says, Job will surely curse you if I strike his flesh and bones. Job 2.6, God says, very well then he is in your hands. You must spare his life, though, but do as you will. That's Job 2.6 if you're taking some notes. Do as you will. We never think about Satan's will, but God just handed that over to, to him. And Job, through the story of Job, endures painful sores from his head to his feet. And in all of this, Job did not curse God once. And... In the end, Job remains faithful to God. And if you know Job at all, at the very last number of chapters, Job and God have a very difficult conversation. God sits Job down because Job is questioning God. And God says, now I have questions for you and you will answer. But this is after Job remains faithful and righteous. As, as God put himself and Job to the test, now they need to clear some things up because, because the test it had. And they both passed, if you don't know the book of Job. But Job, Job needs to have a very difficult conversation with God. But at the very end of Job, we see that God blesses Job sevenfold 
gets his, gets his family back. He's able to repopulate and gets all of his possessions back and becomes wealthy. And so we can see that God doesn't need to control things because he can see farther than we can see. One of my favorite passages in the Old Testament is Ecclesiastes 3.11, which says this, People cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. And there are several stories in Scripture where we clearly see that God is able to let go of control because the outcome is always in his favor. The outcome is always in his favor. And it's always going to be in his favor because of one thing. And that is Jesus overcoming death. That is, that is the one thing that, that dictates God um, having things work together. is Jesus overcoming death. But as I was reading this, and I've, I've, never, I've never read scripture through the lens of this idea of, of um, God letting go of control or having control or whatever. But I was, as I was putting this together, something struck me about the crucifixion of Jesus. The journey to the cross is another example of God letting go. As Jesus is beaten and led to the cross, he is asked and prompted several times and even mocked for not taking control of the situation. The soldiers mocked him. Greetings, all-powerful king of the Jews. On the cross, people would shout at him, save yourself if you're God's son. Come down from that cross if, if, you, if you can do it. You say that you can. Others say he rescued others, but he cannot rescue himself. And all of their mockery was based on the fact that Jesus would not take control of the situation. It's not that he couldn't, he wouldn't. Because we see that Jesus can control things. But here he chooses not to. Because he knew that if he took control of the situation, this would not allow him to overcome death, which he had to do. So the big question of is God in control actually presents a really interesting paradox. And I had to do a little bit of research on this. And it's a big, big theological name that doesn't really matter. But I came to this paradox by choosing not to control things. God is still victorious. And so we come back to this question, is God in control? Maybe we're asking the wrong question or stating the wrong fact about God being in control. Maybe, maybe we're approaching God in a way that is irrelevant to his nature and character because we see in some instances that he takes control and in others he doesn't. But he's always victorious. It appears that maybe God doesn't always want to be in control. And for that reason, and for that question, I have to ask, why? Why doesn't God always want to be in control or appear to be in control? And then I came up with this doozy. If God removes the ability to control, he introduces a reason for choice. When God removes his ability to control, he introduces a reason for choice. Put that on a t-shirt if you're wanting to do that. Just give me some money towards it. And that is what I believe is all about. He says, I have won the battle. 
I've already won it. It doesn't really matter. However things play out, I've already won it. And you can celebrate that with me. Or you don't have to. That's the choice he leaves up to us. He's already, he's victorious. He's already won that. And he, he invites us to celebrate that with him. But then he says you don't have to. That's, that's up to you. You can't, um, sorry, let me just back up. There was a book that was written a couple of years ago by a, a pretty controversial pastor. It doesn't really matter who it is. But he came up with a phrase that I think is really um, uh, pertinent to this. And he said, love is only love if chosen. Love is only love if chosen. You can't force this. And this is what God ultimately leaves for us. It's his way of showing love by allowing us to choose him. That's why we worship. We don't have to worship, but he leaves that up to us. He says, I have won the battle. This week I discovered something really interesting. Interestingly, the idea of God being in control is a very predominant in, in Muslim theology. And I have a friend who lives over in Dubai who works with Youth for Christ, and he, he lives there full time. And I asked him this question about this idea of God being in control, and how, is, how, do, how does uh, Muslim theology play out? And he said, it's huge here. He says, we have this word, and it's called inshallah. And it means nothing happens without the direct intervening hand of Allah willing it so. And as he was explaining this term to me, I was struck dead in my tracks. I said, I don't believe that. I don't believe that, I believe that God allows me to make choices and he interacts with me as I make those choices and those decisions. And then I came up with, again, what I think is the million dollar question. How does God's sovereignty and human free will interact? And I do not have an answer for that because I, I don't know how those things work together. But that's the question that they came up with. And I think that's a question that a lot of people ask is how does God's, how does God's sovereignty and human free will interact. And I was reading scripture. I don't think I found an answer either. Because the Apostle Paul says this in Romans eleven thirty three: 33. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. What I do think about this phrase, God is in control. I think it can be dangerous in some situations. Because it can lead us to blame God. And avert us from taking responsibility for our actions. This is at times. This is not all the time. This is at times. I'm going to wrap up with this. Tanya Harris from Red Letter Christians, an organization that Tony Campolo started, says this. I wonder if we should rework that statement a little. I wonder if we should change the default line from God is in control to God is always good. He's always able to bring good from any situation as we trust him. Let me pray. Father, we, just, we come before you humbly with um, maybe a question that we wrestle with or, or something that we, that we might say. And we don't know the answer because scripture gives us two sides of the coin. But we know that you are always good. And we will never know the depth of your, of your wisdom and knowledge, nor do we see the scope of your work from beginning to end. As we look out on our world, and we may seem at times like you're not present, 
May we know that whatever situation we are faced with, you have overcome the world and that situation. And so I thank you that you are always good and can bring good out of any situation. Amen. This week as you kind of go about your, your day and you interact with people and you, and you face situations and you, and you face things that seem like God may not be present, know that whatever that is, it's already been overcome. That The battle has already been won. And it may not work out the way that you want it to. But know that God is always good. You are dismissed. Have a great week. Go with love and go with the Lord. Amen.